Welcome back to another episode of Eastern Current Saltwater Fishing Podcast. My name is Captain Ozzy with Marker 23 Guide Service, and today I had a really fun podcast with four of my really good buddies, Hunter Young, Drew Webster, Addison Grantham, and Dustin Daly. I've had these guys on the podcast before, and they've all been fan favorites, so we decided to do a holiday roundtable on New Year's Day. Uh, we talked about everything from inshore, nearshore, offshore, boats to conservation. Uh, you name it, we probably covered it. Um, we only had two mics for five people, so if there's any audio errors, I do apologize. But uh, we had a great time recording this one. I hope you guys enjoy it just as much. Thanks for listening. Being on the water day in and day out throughout the season, our boats take a beating. Whether we need fiberglass work, new non-skid, hole painting, rigging, and electrical, or full-blown custom restoration, Brock Boatworks has you covered. Specializing in high-end skiffs, bay boats, and center consoles, their attention to detail and customer service ensures that you have the work done right the first time so you don't have to get it done again. You can find their information in the podcast show notes. I missed the record button. I don't know if you caught that or not. <laughs> oh, man. Welcome. Tap twice. It tapped twice. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Eastern Current. Uh, I got Captain Mozzie here and a good group of dudes sitting down with uh, the Sneeds Ferry Collective. Is that what we're calling What did we say? Well, Onslow we Collective. Onslow Collective. All right. Well, if you guys want to introduce yourself, go right ahead. Uh, I guess we'll go this way. Captain Drew Webster with In Real Time Fishing Charters. Captain Hunter Young with Young Co. Guide Service. Captain Dustin Daly, Delmar Charters. And Captain Addison Grantham, Unreal Charters. Um, yeah, so got a good group of dudes here. Uh, really excited about this one. Uh, I feel like we've been chatting for the last hour and a half and really wasted all the good content. We actually have been chatting for the last hour and a half. <laughs> um no, but I'm excited about it. Uh, how's you guys' winter been? I guess we'll keep going. In. We got a good little order here, a little clockwise order. I uh, winter's been good. Uh, busy, you know, dealing with some some wind and some uh, some rain. Yeah, that's about the biggest hurdle for me. Absolutely. What what do you, Mr. Drew? What have you been filling most of your winter up with? Uh, filling them up with basically sea bass, vermilion snapper, um, dabbling in a couple of redfish and and trout tri- uh, trips, but that's mainly focused on that. Uh, that offshore, near shore. Right. Uh, false albacore were good this year as well. Yeah. What about you, Hunter? What you been filling most of your winter up with? Boat maintenance. <laughs> That's the best answer. Brother, yeah. I've had a lot going on this year, which you guys know. Um, but I had, you know, one boat go down, went in the shop, had a lot of upgrades done. So I've been rocking the skiff this year, which we talked last podcast that I was on with you. We we're talking about how you got me bit with a fly bug. And this year, I've been focusing on pulling through the flats instead of trolling motoring through the flats. Tell me about your skiff build. Well, it's kind of a, it's kind of interesting build. So it's an Ancona Salt Marsh 1656. I think they stopped, they discontinued the uh, the Salt Marsh version, but it's a carbon Kevlar hole <clears throat> that's very affordable. They they did a great job on the hole. Um, you can look at a lot of dudes down in Florida, a lot of the guys down there, that's what they're running is the uh, is the salt marsh or the Anconas. Um, 
carbon Kevlar with a 60 horsepower. I just hung a 2023 Yamaha on the back and put the little micro jacker on there and uh, running the 22 foot stiffy. And dude, that thing will go anywhere I want it to go. Super lightweight. And if I get stuck or run aground, dude, you just get out and pick that thing up, and <laughs> drag it over the right. oyster bar. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, That's it's, sick. It's already scratched up on the bottom. I plucked it out of Charleston, South Carolina. And, uh, yeah, um, got it on a deal. So, great little guide boat. Great little don't care if I put another blemish or scratch on the bottom type right. thing, especially yeah. during the wintertime when they're belly crawling and you're trying to find them. Yeah. Especially this year because it's been muddy. So, finding clean water means going shallow in the back, back, back of the bay. They better expose themselves because we ain't seeing through the water. Right. But, yeah, that's pretty much the build. So. The two offshore guides beside you are like, what are you talking about? Yeah, Expose what? yourself. What? This dude's speaking Mandarin right Do now. you mean 20 foot of water? Is that shallow <laughs> enough? No. Now, we'll get to that dynamic in a minute. Mr. Dustin, what's filling your winter up, dude? Uh, I'd say I'm probably a healthy mix of the two. Um, definitely some boat maintenance, uh, rod holder backers for the tuna, et cetera, oh, yeah. et cetera. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've been... Uh, been mainly offshore a couple trout trips couple couple redfish trips but uh mainly it's been offshore but i mean it's been blowing you know 20 25 plus for the last i don't know three months <laughs> so <laughs> yeah last year, year. <laughs> so yeah it's uh it's definitely been out of the out of the norm this year uh, as far as weather goes but we're still getting it done all right mr addison tell me about your winter dude well Mr. Cat Mozzie. Uh, win- <laughs> this winter has been pretty good, you know, despite, uh, of course, already mentioned wind, rain. But I've noticed this year I've been focusing on redfish a lot more uh, than, than I did uh, trout last year. And uh, it's been pretty productive. I've been finding a lot schooled up. And even when I do go out for trout, like I might start real, real early, just hit up the trout. And then, you know, once you get that slack and tie and they quit biting, uh, I'll have all the, the redfish rods rigged up and then head out to the marsh. And uh, it's, it's, we've had some pretty good clear days, no wind kind of thing. And, um, yeah, been uh, doing pretty well in uh, both the redfish and the trout skis. Yeah. So apparently it's just not windy where you're fishing, huh? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I would have to agree uh, following that up. Um, been windy. And I would say, dude, this winter's been different. And I, I talked about this a couple, couple episodes ago. It's been weird because, yes, we've had fronts. We get fronts every winter. But they're blowing from the west or the, the east or yeah. what. You know, like they're not blowing from the northeast like they should. It's like two days of a west, and then, all right, we're getting the front out of the south. It's like, yeah, it's like, wait, wait a minute, it's January. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a little odd. Um, but, I mean, my my first part of my winter has been trout. My second part of my, you know, up to now, Jan- what, January 1, right? It's now 2024. 2024. Happy New Year's, brother. Happy, Happy New Year's. <laughs> um, it's been redfish for the last few whatever weeks um but like fall winter was trout and it was good then i like switched over to redfish apparently at a terrible time because of the wind but and i've been redfish since but i i find that i do that in seasons um throughout the year i'm 
three weeks doing this, three weeks doing that. Um, but we touched on it a minute, and I'd like to circle back to it, is um, the dynamic of the people sitting at this table is it's pretty cool. We all touch, like, on one aspect or the other. Like, we all have something in common. Um, but we all specialize and expand in, in all five different directions. Um, you know, Drew, you're you're very heavily in the offshore. Dustin, you're very heavily in the offshore. Hunter, he's a do-it-all, you know. Addison, likewise, he's he's in the middle. He's a very both-directions guy, and, and I've, I've kind of pretend I'm a little bit of everything and I'm just kind of idle somewhere in the middle. I do see some nice-looking pin offshore rods you got over there, so... Ah. If you could, they're, they're rigged up to troll for some. Looks like <laughs> king mackerel there. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, the pin senator has got yeah, the classic dude. on the rod. He's got the, uh, I don't know, the was it the crystal minnow diver? If only we there. had video. Yeah. You you yeah. think it sounds like compliments, but if we had video on this podcast, that you would realize five senator you got up there. Yeah, there's twenty t- twenty insure rods and <laughs> <laughs> that are all brand new. You know, brand new braid. This. Looks like this winter you just put the braid on there, and then you've got two senators on the right. They look like they're from 1972. They actually are. They're like the 70s models. Hey, look. If you look at the progression of rod, you got mirror lure, jerk bait, pop and cork, old drum rig, and then you got an extra heavy senator with a trolling plug out of nowhere. <laughs> That's one of those flat calm days when Ozzy can run the Phantom. 20 miles off, you know. Dude, don't be surprised, okay? No, uh you're you're right. I'm I am uh I've got some 70s models offshore behind. I wish we had the little camera right here. They'd all understand. And by the way, that's not hate towards a senator cuz my first no. offshore rod was a senator and that's what I started fishing on the pier with on the end of the pier for king king mackerel. And dude, senators are workhorses. They've caught probably more fish than any other real Maybe. I would love to see that statistic, actually. Yeah. That'd be good. That'd be a good stat. I mean, the fact that there's as many internationals as there are now on people's boats, and a lot of people run in Iowa, too. Yeah. I don't know. These guys are the offshore realm, so they know more. Right. Well, that gets back to what we were saying. Like, we have a good dynamic between, like, the boats we run and, and the things we do. Um, Drew, tell me about your boat a little bit and, and kind of what you do. Yeah, I got a 2400 uh, Bulls Bay uh, with a 250 Suzuki on it. Um Pretty good medium, medium boat. It'll handle all the chop that you can deal with inshore. Um, had it out on some forty plus mile an hour days. Um, it does pretty well. Um, does really well on those nice, nice roller days on offshore. Um, real comfortable ride, um, and does well bottom fishing. Yeah, not super heavy. You can roll up to a spot. You don't have to set anchor. You drop the spot lock. Right. And you can beat up a ledge. No problem. Uh, yeah. Throw a couple bean bags down, and and folks get a comfortable ride. Um, the only issue is, is there's not enough rod holders. So <laughs> I look like a porcupine going down the river. Um, got, the windshield, got, got the chopped windshield. You know, th- those are for uh, for a couple secret inshores, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it it, it, do, it does well. It's I'm I'm happy with the boat. Um, she's. She's done well over the last two years that I've had her, as far as for charter wise. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, and then Dustin, you're rocking. Uh, you're also rocking an offshore boat, potentially uh, a new offshore boat. Yes, yeah, yeah. So you're the uh, you're probably the biggest uh, tweener. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, dude, that's a yeah. that's a tight race though. 
well, between I mean, you so, and him in the twenty. So I didn't really start. I, you know, growing up in Stewart, like we fished for snook. Right. But the inshore fishing was not the same as right. it is here. Here, it's it's either one world or the other. Pretty much down in Florida, like you could go catch snook and then roll right out in the mahi, and it's it's the same same stuff, the right. same setup. I mean, a little bit different, but you know, every angler can do can do both. Um, but up here, it's like you almost have to specialize in one or the other. Yeah, like we went head to head. Like we did, you know, the five boats at the ramp, you know, twenty <laughs> bucks, winner take all. Like yeah. I'm getting, I'm dead last in the pack. Yeah. Um. Now if we go offshore, that's a that's a whole different story. But, You're right. Um. Now I'm running a twenty four Lake and Bay, which um with a three hundred Suzuki on it. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it an offshore boat. My no. Gun, my gunnels are a little low for that. Right. Um. But I mean, it's you know, it's touched the Gulf Stream here, uh, which is a pretty good run. Yeah. I mean, talking fifty. 50-ish miles, right. um, and it's, it's had some big stuff come over the rail, but um, yeah, there's hopefully, hopefully a new rig coming uh, on Friday, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully it's as nice as this guy says it is, and it can come home with me. Fingers crossed. Yeah. That's our new tuna rig. Dustin, Dustin don't know yet, but that's mine and his. I'm part owner of that boat. I think this is, this is going to be the tuna team, right? Yeah. But the, the five team. of us might enter the big rock in that rig next hey, year. Hey, if it's ready, we're fishing the big you know, spoiler alert is probably you know. Hopefully, it's going to be a twenty-five Bertram. But you know, a, a lot of a lot of people, you know, now nowadays, you know, you look at these guys and you can go buy you know thirty-plus foot center console trips quads hanging off the right. back and not blink an eye. Right. Um, but running something from the seventies, which I already have, you know, a couple boats from the seventies sitting in my shop. Like running something like that new is definitely. Uh, and then you know, running with the big dogs. Yeah, you, know, you get you get the side eye a little bit, especially like when the bay boat shows up forty miles offshore. You definitely get the look, like what do you, you know? Everybody staring at Drew right now. <laughs> you know, this, like this is my world. What are you doing in it? Yeah. But um, no, nah, man, it should be it should be a phenomenal rig once it's done. Yeah, that'd be sick. We'll be the uh, we'll be in the Big Rock us five, the Onslow County crew. The we got we need a cool we got a cool name though. Yeah, we got to come up with a cool name. We'll just get Do to sponsor it. Maybe. <laughs> Which we'll get to Do yeah, we'll, later. We'll get to Do USA later. Oh. Yeah. Is it gonna have a power pole? <laughs> Is it gonna have a power pole? <laughs> I don't. I don't think where that boat's going. It's gonna need a power pole, eh? Dude, if you don't put a power up, power pole on it, are you even guiding? It is gonna have spot lock on it. <sighs> it's close second. Spot lock definitely. Power pole. Hard maybe. There's no power pole on that boat over there. Hate to tell you. I'm talking all this crap. You got that manual power pole in your skiff, though. AKA 24 foot stiffy, stiffy. hybrid. That you, you just stick that thing in the mud, tuck it between your legs, dude. That and you're, do you're what you got to do, yeah. son. Yeah. All right, Mr. Addison, tell me about your rig. Uh, last year when I did the podcast with you, I'd just gotten it. So this is uh, basically one year with the uh, Blazer Base 675. And Hunter has one also. He was my yes, inspiration because I, I spent a whole lot of hours fishing that boat with him. And uh, I've got no regrets towards it. Uh, and I'm happy with the Mercury. It hadn't given me any problems. And, you know, when you push the button to start it, it just makes that amazing growl. Uh, I just don't get Everything that is American, apple pie, Chicken George Washington crossing the Delaware River when <laughs> when a new Mercury V eight fires up, dude, dude. It just makes you want to burst with freedom, dude. Addison just breezed over that nonchalantly, but I'd like to touch on the way a three hundred starts. Like you're exactly right. That's the best sounding motor in the game. 
Or every morning, morning during the uh, DOUSA tournament, he'd purposely. Oh fly, yeah, fire he would wait. Ball. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Wait till everyone's <laughs> down at the dock. I'm like, dude, get out, leave Addison. You're making us look bad. Addison waited until it was silence on the pier. <laughs> and I'd have it trimmed up too. So. <laughs> just, just the prop in the water. <laughs> but um, yeah, the boat is. Uh, I'm I'm really impressed with how skinny it gets, uh, especially if it's like just me on the boat and I've got a quarter tank. Like that thing will float, and I've had it in less than ten inches. I mean, it was scrubbing a little bit, but um, it was going. You just can't stop, or else then you're stuck. But um, because uh, I've gotten it stuck and got out and pushed, and uh, I measured it, and it was like nine and a half inches where it was stuck. So that's it's pretty incredible. And then the ride, you know, getting out on the big water, uh, running that thing for the, the DOUSA. That uh, day one, I was way upriver and then uh, made a run downriver, and it did it you know, really well. And, uh, you know, the guys didn't get banged up or anything. We stayed dry and then ran all the way back up river and then back down river. We, uh, I put some miles on that thing during that event, but, uh, I've, I've been very happy with it. Yeah. So I think I sold Addison on the blazer when we were in Louisiana, right? And we went down there. We we qualified for the Power Pole uh, Redfish Tournament down there. Good to keep going. Yeah. So we qualified for the the Power Pole Pro uh, Redfish Series. We fished uh, the East Coast Go Live. Uh, we qualified for the championship. So we have never fished. The championship is in Louisiana in Delacroix, and we've never fished Delacroix. And now we're about to fish the championship down there. So what do we have to do? We had to go scout. So. We take off, go down there on a whim in May, I believe it was, and we start fishing out of Delacroix, and uh, we were running off of um, Nunya Business Creek, way up across, let's just say, somewhere around the Mississippi Gulf River Outlet, and there was this bayou that we were running that was no wider than the bla- than my blazer. I mean, it was literally, I think the bayou might have been narrower then the blazer was wide. I jumped up on plane, and we're running out of this thing, and it takes forever. If we would have trolled motor out of there or put it out of there, I don't know if we could have got out. Right. And I was jogging that boat back and forth out of that that bayou, and we got out of it, and I was like, man, that's a good handling boat right there. Or he looked over, he's like, dude, that was freaking, that was a sick ride right there. And we got out of there not having to putt and waste an hour on a trolling motor. And he's like, okay. He's like, yep. I got to do it. One. Yeah, I got to And you had a what? A, you got a 250 show, right? Yeah. So I've got a, so I have a Blazer Bay 675. It's a 2016 hole. I've got a 250 show on the back. <clears throat> and uh, I've got uh, two power pole blades and I run a 36 volt. Addison runs the 80 pound. He's a lot faster than I am with the Merc. Um, and, you know, he's a lot lighter. He's running lithium batteries. I will say this for a 22 foot hole, everything Addison just said. All around inshore boat, covering big water, shallow water, narrow water. That thing does it all, and yeah. it floats extremely shallow. What's the difference between the two fifty and the three hundred? I know obviously Addison's a little faster, but like in the draft world, like have you noticed a big difference between so you, the two fifty and the three hundred? If you look at the weights, and don't quote me on this because I'm just going off of uh, off the top of my head here. 
I believe the 250 show motor is around 578 pounds. Yeah, and it's I like a 30 pound difference. And it's like in the 300 XS, which is what he's running, the Merc 300 XS, I believe is like actually lighter than mine. It's actually lighter. I believe it's 530. The XS, yes. The, the wow. 300 XS, yes. It's lighter motor. And what did you say yours was, you think? The, what, I, I can't remember, but it was like either a 30 or 60 degree or um, pound, difference, pound yeah. difference in it. But um, I know Yamaha, they've got better low end, but then like your mid and high range uh, horsepower on the Mercury's, uh, the Mercury's got them on that. Yeah, I was a bit, I'm a big Yamaha guy, right? I just bought a new one, put sure. on a skiff. Right. And I love it. I love Yamaha. They're tried right. and true. They're the they're the workhorse of the marsh, right? And everything offshore, inshore, whatever. Not but at the same time, Suzuki makes great motors. Great motors. I had a, a Suzuki, a Suzuki 250 SS motor, what, which I think they made to compete with the two the show motor, like the high output motors, right, Drew? And uh, I had that motor. I freaking loved it, man. It's a great motor. It, it pushed. The Excel that I had, 23-foot Excel Bay Pro, 66 to 68 miles an hour, 23-foot boat. Like, it's that's freaking, freaking fast. We've all seen a, that boat. <laughs> yeah, that's with a four-blade prop, you know what I mean? And you better hope it's slick because, man, I'm telling you what, if it's choppy that day, you're going to feel every single bump. <laughs> but, hey, it floats shallow. It's a great boat, too. But, yeah, running the 675, 22-foot Bay boat, I don't think there is a better uh, combo. Um to put clients to get uh, to get shallow to chase redfish, yeah, to cover absolutely. big water for tournaments. Like, dude, it's it's the we left out of Delacro, and let's just say we were running tournament day. I ran about sixty two miles one way, and uh, yeah, I don't know. So, sounds like somebody's uh, target practicing behind. Dude, it. I believe someone is either. Driving post or target practicing right outside the Marker 23 headquarters and just right so now. everyone knows, we have all the speakers turned up because we only have two mics because Ozzy forgot the other ones. Easy. Man, we didn't. <laughs> we could have just said we had two mics. We didn't have to go that far. I'm just kidding. I'm not banging up on Ozzy. No, nah, well, together. I did. I did. Um, this is my MO. I fished a little longer than I should have. Neglected my responsibilities to stay on the water. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we have two mics and five people. So, yeah. forgive us for some uh, poor audio here, here and there. But, yeah, there's somebody having a blast outside yeah. the garage here. But, anyways, um, the, bla- the Blazer. Yeah. I don't want to talk about Actually, I'm actually upset about the yeah, Blazer. Yeah. We, we, I don't want to talk about We don't have to blazer. talk about that. But essentially, yeah, I run a Blazer too, but I also, uh, I touched on it earlier, I've got that Salt Marsh Ancona, 16-foot yeah. little skiff, technical yeah. pulling skiff. Right. Carbon Kevlar hole. That's the shallowest boat I've ever been in. Like, yeah. that thing will go anywhere. I bet it, it is. Bit. Um, the reason, I, I mean, I, I will, we'll divulge this information. Yeah, I'm so I'm glad we're still friends. We are friends. We're <laughs> friends forever. Dude. It's fine. If you're like us here at Eastern Current, your boat trailer takes a beating. That's why we want to tell you about Coastal Trailer Repair, located here in Wilmington, North Carolina. At Coastal Trailer Repair, they strive to bring quality work at a reasonable price, specializing in trailer hubs, springs, and all things electrical and wiring. If you have an issue with your trailer, look no further than Coastal Trailer Repair to get you back on the road. You can find their information in the podcast show notes. I was ready to add a blazer to the Marker 23 arsenal. I was ready to let you <laughs> let you have the blazer 
into your arsenal. And it was done. Like, I was like, hey, Hunter, this is happening. Like, we were both agreed it was happening. Let me talk to the bank and, like, whatever happened. Um, funny enough, I was at a boat ramp one day. Imagine that. Wasn't around my boat, my truck, rather. I was out fishing. Yes. That's, and, how, you, that's how you do and, boat uh, ramps. If yeah. You- <laughs> yeah, let's just say Aussie's Cadillac converters got up and walked off from me. Yeah, well, I got back to my truck, and there was no <laughs> catalytic converters to be found. <laughs> Somebody needed them more than you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there went the blazer fund. <laughs> yeah, so ended up. But that 24 Lake and Bay fund. <laughs> it's brand new. Starting right now. Uh, anyways. Uh, if anybody does have any information on uh, Ozzy's <laughs> catalytic converters, you can contact Marker 23 God Service. We're going to start looking around for who's got a Sawzall in the bed of their truck, all right? <laughs> uh, dude, I'm not going to lie. I was so hot when, when my cats got stole. I was looking around for like, Facebook marketplace and like looking for like if I'd be at the MR wings and sneeze fairy be like that bit that truck bit got a catalytic converter in it like <laughs> oh that's a DeWalt sawzall in there I bet he did it you like crank the oh this is a this is kind of funny so <laughs> I got back from fishing I fished about six hours got back and I I cranked my truck up and it was so loud coming straight from the headers. I thought my truck was going to explode. <laughs> I turned it off, got out of the truck, and ran 15 feet away. <laughs> and then once I was 15 feet away, I was like, "That my trucks don't explode. That doesn't happen. Like, Except on the movies. Except, well, it's that thing is the movies. Like, I was like, well, truck's exploding, turned it off, ran away. <laughs> and then I looked at my truck for a good 15 minutes. I was like, what was that? Got back in it. I was like, it was weird. It was just something, you know, that truck was burning oil and this and that. Like, it was already banged up. I was like, let me just try it again. Did it again. Well, I, like, moved four feet out of the parking spot, and it was like, you know, straight out of the headers. Like, I was like, this is weird. Three spots next to me is a cop. And I was like, hey, man. Knocked over the window. I was like, I think my catalytic converters have been stolen. And uh, North Topsail Beach Police Department, he was like, figure it out if they have or have not and then let me know so obviously i went over there rolled under my truck looked up sawzall marks and and wire snips i'm like yeah uh they're not there filed a police report but uh yeah it was it was kind of funny uh because it scared i mean i wish you'd have been a fly on the wall like it wasn't just like a gentle like let's get out of the car and go over here it was like what is going on all bets are off Ozzy is running for the water and jumping off the dock Uh, yeah but it was for cover it was it was a redneck's dream come true going over the north topsail bridge you know what i mean like you know you know it's a proven fact that uh you know, cutting the Cadillac converters off your truck indeed makes it faster. At least that's what I hear from all the Onslow County boys. Yeah, I mean, they <laughs> probably believe that, too. I'm not throwing shade. I'm just saying. Hey, let me tell you, that's uh, absolutely false. <laughs> I was slow as dirt. I had no get up and go. I drove that thing around. This is probably going to incriminate me. But I drove that thing around for a month before the insurance guy came through or whatever. The best was you could know when Ozzy was coming into Sneed's Ferry and which <laughs> which ramp he was going to. It was like, oh yeah, he's he's launching over here. Today. I'm gonna stay over here. You could hear him from four corners 
when you met me at Yop. <laughs> I stopped that day and talked yes. to you. So mad. I, dude, I was livid. Had the rig behind me still. I saw Drew's truck at Yop Brothers. I was like, just wanting to tell somebody. You know, I just, I was just mad. I pulled into Yacht Brothers, and they were like, I was like, guess what happened? They're like, yeah, we could hear it. We know exactly what happened. <laughs> the, the whole shop knew already. <laughs> Dude, that is hilarious. Oh, man. But, yeah, so to answer your question there, there is the Blazer Bay catalytic converter, um, whatever you want to call it. But now there is a brand-new Tanya the Tundra, so is what it Did is. Did you rename it, or you just reuse it? No, name? that's Tanya 2.0, cuz. 2.0, okay. He's gonna be doing a little better. Y'all name y'all's trucks, right? Yeah. Y'all do or do not? I didn't name the last one because yeah. I sent her down the road, dude. Oh, uh, yeah, that you you know that's you have that you know what I mean on them big jobs you mm-hmm. you don't name them if you're gonna hey. send them down the road. You know what I mean? You name your truck, Drew? No, no, no time for a name. You just change trucks that often, or what? No, I actually hold on to them for a long time. There's just no no name for it yet. That's a problem. I just copied Addison and bought the same truck he has. Drew's <laughs> a man of principle, okay? He doesn't name trucks. He names his boat. You know what I mean? Do you I'm have sure a name for your boat? boat? No, there's no name for the boat either. <sighs> I, dude, I never really was into the naming of of vehicles and, and boats. That just wasn't a thing. You're officially uninvited. I, I, <laughs> I the truck's right there. <laughs> Hunter, do you name... Uh, so I didn't name my last truck, um, but, uh, it, you know, I had a lot of issues out of her, so I'm not going to throw shade on GMC right now on this podcast because they <laughs> might be a sponsor one day. <laughs> so I, I'll leave it, leave that there, but, uh, no, no names as of now. Boat or nothing? Salt Marsh? Blazer? <sighs> well, when I refer to the boats, I'll just say the Blazer or the Salt Marsh, but uh, you know, I have thrown around the name of Serenity for the Black Blazer. You know what I'm saying? So okay. I do like Serenity. Yeah, it is what it is. Dustin, you name your boats, right? Please tell me yeah. your name. <laughs> so the Lake and the Lake and Bay does not have a name. Uh, oh, what? The, all the race boats have names. These are th- uh, I'm three disappointments deep right but now. But the truck does have a name. What's the truck? Betty White. Betty White. Yeah. It's so yeah, fitting so too. Yeah. yeah so. Unlike some of my counterparts here, she's got four hundred thousand on it, and it's still going strong. So, yeah. uh, had a neighbor. She's definitely she's staying till the wheels fall off for sure. That's right. He drives a Dodge Cummins, by the way. They saw truck shopping and want to know what to buy. Actually, yeah, I uh, think everybody here showed up in a, yeah. a Dodge except myself. Ram. Yep, a Dodge. Oh, Ram. Yeah, Ram. But uh, she's an 07, So before all the uh, DP, you know. <laughs> All the uh, eco stuff on the right. diesels, the last the last year of the good stuff. So, all right, Mister Addison, do you name your stuff or not? Yeah, but not really good. Um, <laughs> My Blazer's name is Blazer. So <laughs> the Ram is named after uh, what I used to call my great-grandmother. Uh, her, her name was Grammy, so the Ram is Rammy. <laughs> And um, the blazer, I just kind of drop the E and the R off the end and add an A, and it's just blazer. (laughs) (laughs) The blazer. (laughs) Oh, that's good. I think 
That, that might win. I mean, that's those are two. The, the blazer. Blazer. Rammy and the blazer. Uh, I do name my stuff. My first Toyota Tundra was Tanya the Tundra. Uh, obviously totaled after some catalytic converter stuff. Tanya 2.0. And then um, this boat that we're sitting by, in front of or behind, um, it has a name. I'm not going to say it on air. Um, it's a good name, but it starts with little, and uh, yes. uh, we'll talk about the rest later. <laughs> My first guide boat, it was a uh, 20-foot bay rider. I called it the Wizard. Mm. So, yeah, we, we would, I would love to talk about that name. <laughs> <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> You're a hizzard, Wary. Um <laughs> Anyways, so um, let's talk about fishing. Let's talk about something other than what we've been talking Wait, about. Before that, can we talk about the Bucky's beanie that, I, you're, that you're wearing? Oh, I looked, please! I the looked Bucky's at, beanie that you're wearing. I you? looked at Addison when you said that. I forgot I had it on. Um, yeah, I went to Louisiana recently. Realized that I forgot a beanie, so I stopped in Auburn. And I was like, "Yeah, Bucky's is gonna have a beanie." So I got a steak burrito and a beanie. How was your Louisiana trip? Uh, it was good, dude. Um, we had some really great weather day one, and the fish did what Louisiana fish should do. Uh, we we ran pretty far, you know. I mean, not chandeliers far, but we ran yeah. and uh, got what we wanted to get. Some bull red fish doing it right. Some big black drum doing it. What they you know tailing and whatnot. Yeah, uh, got some school action, and then next day we had a huge front come through. We didn't even fish. We went and had. You know, gumbo and alligator sausage. You got to while you're down there. Got it? to do it. So, and then the next day we went, we did make it out, but the fish were picky, caught a handful. And then the next day it got, you know, a little better, a little bit. You know what I mean? So yeah. we got one good day, two okay days, and then one like, ah, that wasn't bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was our trip. Went down with uh, Perry McDougald, you know, Perry McFly, and then John Mauser of Tailing Tide. Had a really good time. Uh, great group of dudes. Yeah. I mean, that was a blast going yeah. down there with them. Um, great you guys, anglers. You guys passed off the stick the whole time too, right? You guys didn't oh, yeah. uh, troll a motor or anything like that. You guys were all. Oh, all yeah, together. all fly. Yeah. yeah, all fly. I mean, yeah, awesome. sometimes the guy, like you had three people in your boat, one dude on the bathroom fly, one dude pulling, yeah. and then like the middle guy would throw a spoon. Everyone, right, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Typically, and I love the idea. Like I would always, you know, I'd be pulling. I'm like, dude, when I get in the middle, when I'm not on the bow, I'm throwing the spoon, but then you're hungry, right? So you're like, I'm going to eat my fucking sandwich while I can, or I'm going to eat my whatever, you know, like I'm going to have a drink. I'm just pulled for two hours straight. I'm going to eat my this and drink my energy drink and, and take a break. You know, you're either casting a fly rod or pole and you're finally going to have a break here and take it. So, yeah, I mean, we did, but we didn't spin fish very hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, I've been down there, and I envy you because you've been uh, down there twice now, and you guys did the whole fly thing twice. We went down, and we did, you know, sight tower in front of the boat, which I love fishing that way, too. Yeah, yeah. Haven't fished that way in a long time until a couple of days ago. Addison let me borrow the tower, and I took her out, got on a couple of schools, and forgot how much I like fishing off a tower off the front of the boat. But I will say there's something about getting on the back of the boat, pushing it through the marsh, yeah, and sneaking up on redfish with a fly, dude. Dude, it's it's definitely something special. And and that again, going back to the, the difference between the group we have, like there's something special about hearing a rod go off between, you know, Dustin and Drew and 
tower fishing and fly fishing. And yeah, that's the cool thing about the industry, I think, is there's so many facets. We all get along, but we all do very different things. You know what I mean? But um, again, about this group of people that are here is we all got to know each other, at least got to know each other good at DO, um, Disabled Outdoors event yeah. that we do every summer at some point in time. Um, Hunter, you're, you're probably best to kind of describe that. And yeah. So Disabled Outdoorsman is a nonprofit out of Texas. Weston Jenkins, a gentleman named Weston Jenkins, headed up. Uh, he, he actually started the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, Cameron Owner, he's, uh, I think he's maybe the president or something like that now. Um, but uh, they're both great, great guys. The whole group of guys are great dudes. And all they do is they do good stuff for uh, people who have been dealt a shorthand. So, years ago, it's been three years, four years ago, maybe, um, a guy named Zach Weiss um, hit me up, um, met Zach in the military. Essentially, what happened was Zach was a, a game warden at the time <clears throat> up in Pamlico County, and he hit me up and was like, hey, dude, we I've gotten in with this group of guys. We're going to bring this these group of people here who've been dealt a shorthand in life, and we're going to take them bull drum fishing. He said, will you help me out? I said, I'm game. And uh, so we, we did that year. That was our first year doing it. Um, and it was awesome. I loved it. And then met you guys. I already knew uh, some of you. But uh, now I roped you guys into it. And so we uh, the, the next year we had Addison and Ozzy and Dustin and then this past year, we roped old Drew in, old Drew Webster. So now everybody sitting around this table has been a guide for DOUSA, which I truly, truly appreciate you guys coming out um, and and helping with that event. Um, it's it's super – there's something special about taking somebody who has every reason to be mad at the world, to be pissed off, um, you know, and uh, the, all those gla- guys and gals are glass-half-full mentality. And it's refreshing, I think, as a as a guide to take somebody like that fishing um, for for a couple of days after trophy fish, um, and it, it kind of I don't know sheds a light on you like glass half full mentality in definitely. my mind. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, that that's definitely how we met, and that that's I feel like that's the a really good explanation of what Do is, and that's why we're there, and that's what we take away from it, and then. There's the God cabin. <laughs> no, that is that is a really good explanation of Dio. But the five of us stay in a cabin, right? And and we all fish and we all have dinner together. And and what happens there, I think, is just just magical. You know, like it's as okay. <laughs> all right, let's rewind I need some a little help bit. There. It, it, <laughs> Magical things are happening in the guide cabin. Don't get the wrong, <laughs> don't get the uh, the wrong impression there, guys. Uh, what I think what Ozzy is trying to say is that uh, guiding year round, like him, he's full time guide. Everybody else here, we're all part timers, um, soon to be full timers. I hope all of us. Um, but I can see how you know taking people fishing for a while, um, you know, on your own from the house back to the ramp, back and forth, back and forth. It's refreshing to go to something like that where 
I'm not going to say there's not a lot of pressure because I feel like there probably is more pressure to put guys on fish. If not they, more. Yeah. But at the same time, you've got a group of guys, like a network of dudes around you who right. are all like-minded. Right. Um, we all kind of are cut from the same cloth. Um, we all mesh really well. We get around, get along very well. Um, <clears throat> and it's a, it's a, you know, three day, four day period for us all to fish all day, take our anglers out. We come back in the evenings and it's like, we're kind of dumping data to each other. And I feel like it's a learning event too. Cause I'm, oh, I mean, 100%. We're, we all know we're always learning about the estuary, about the fishery. And, and so we can kind of compare notes in the evenings, um, and, and kind of fellowship. And I think that's, that's awesome. No, yeah. That the camaraderie is a huge part. Like we're obviously, we're all there to, um, play a bigger role than, than what is us. Right. Like, but I also feel like you're there to grow as an angler and a guide. And yeah. well, I mean, you're the man, right? The rest of the time of the, the year or whatever, the rest of the year, you're the subject matter expert in your area. And for those four days, two days, whatever the event is that year, you have five, six, seven other subject matter experts. So you have your theory on redfish. You have your theory on redfish. And now we all get to coincide and look at the map and and really hash it out. And I, I believe I, I leave DO every year a better guide than what I showed up as. Yeah. Um, and I think, even though I've been humbled yeah, and we, I felt like the man, like it's, it's, it's a roller coaster. That's fishing. I have a client that fishes with me so, and every time he's like, Hey, sometimes chicken, sometimes feathers. And that's his say. <laughs> he has a horseshoe somehow. Um, yeah. he, he's a big chicken guy. Yeah. He don't, he don't know what feathers are, yeah. but anyways, I think about his, his saying a lot. And sometimes, sometimes chicken, sometimes feathers. And, uh, that's been my do experience, especially yeah. when you're talking about those Pamlico bulls. Like, yeah, you could be in the right spot. You did everything right, but you were ten minutes off. Drew, do you you know what I'm talking about? There's a little story up there. I could have cussed Drew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm uh, first of all about the disabled outdoors. Uh, my first year was a humbling experience. Um, I had the pleasure of being with the with the Marine that was that was paralyzed and. Uh, just seeing the fight in those guys and the willingness to get out on the water, uh, yeah. especially the Noose River, that can be a rough, nasty, unforgiving place. Um, he's like, strap me to the front of the boat, let's go. And, I mean, the first day was more nerve-wracking just to have somebody that's uh, that's in a wheelchair, but those those folks will push it and definitely go, go get it. That's for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, caught a fish 10 minutes prior to you getting there. Yeah, I mean, beat you by basically minutes, and it was. No, I thought I just left, or or it was that way. I, we well, I don't remember now. Between so many spots, I had the Android and the text string, so I was left out and didn't get any <laughs> updates, no reports. So that's, that's what you don't have an iPhone. That's what you get for yeah. not running an iPhone. Dude. I know, I know. Shame on me, but uh, yeah, I got green my text. What the heck? Yeah, my reports came at the end of the night, um, but uh, yeah, the uh, disabled outdoors was an awesome experience. Cool, it was get to hang out in a, in a squad bay and most of us were military guys anyways. So that, uh, that kind of living was, uh, was right at home for most of us. Uh, it was 
pretty pretty nasty, pretty stinky. Um, but some <laughs> that was all because of Ozzy. <laughs> I don't think he showered the whole time. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He did in the Noosa River. He yeah. showered. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, he did here take a dip go. in the river, didn't he? Ozzy, you've already said it on the podcast, so let's relive that. I did say it already. Yeah, yeah. it was with Dustin, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Dang, it. Well, we're waiting. I think Hunter tells it better. <laughs> He's the one that flipped the picture up earlier. Okay. This will be the thumbnail. Actually, the picture you flipped up earlier, that'll be the thumbnail for this podcast. Okay, I like it. So, uh, essentially what happened was I'm standing on the dock. I think it was myself, Drew. Addison was there, I believe. Were you there when yeah, you come in? Dock. Yeah, I think we were all at the dock, really. We were kind of all. Uh, so, Dustin, Addison, Drew, and myself were all standing on the dock. And uh, <clears throat> we're all kind of talking about the day, the afternoon. Anglers, all of our anglers, kind of had to come back a little early. Uh, I think they were they were eating or something, taking a break. We were going to waiting to go back out for the evening. And then around the bend, we see Ozzy's boat. <laughs> and as he approaches a little closer, we notice that Ozzy is wearing his Grundens only, bibs. <laughs> only. And I was blasting regulator too. And he was also, yeah, I think he was blasting some I, some hard rock. I don't know why I remember that, but I was, it was like Warren G regulator. Yeah, coming in. It was very fitting though, you know. Regulator. <laughs> and so, what else did I was I inclined to do other than snap a photo of this majestic moment of this this man in his Grundens with no shirt on? So I did. Um, I felt so inclined. Um, so, and he says that's going to be a thumbnail of this podcast. We'll see if that happens, but, uh, I feel like I'm called out now. It has yeah, to be. I feel like you at least have to put it on there. It's a clickbait. <laughs> It'd be the most viewed of the I year. Want, I won't allude to exactly why he was in nothing but his Grundens. Um, uh, if he wants to speak on that, if Ozzy, if you want to talk on that, you can, but, I feel uh, like, have I already said, was that on ours, Dustin, when I had you on by yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about, uh, basically I was, dropped something in know, the water, jumped in, got one, cold. Yeah. That one th- thing that everyone has done when you watch an item of yours go yes. to the bottom. I got <laughs> naked, jumped in, yeah. and then I was like, no, 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 I wasn't fully naked. No. That's why I had to get naked. Yeah, that's it's right. It's because my clothes were wet. Right. But So, can I impart some wisdom really quick? Oh, god. For their listeners? Yeah, I'm ready. So, I've had this happen to myself. I'm sure probably everybody sitting around this table has done this because we all are familiar with dropping things in the water, especially... When you're fishing and running a trolling motor, right? <clears throat> so, uh, Minn Kota, great products. Love Minn Kota. You guys are great. Uh, however, um, the lanyards that the, that is given <laughs> with the Minn Kota trolling motor remote is Everyone not at the table just nodded. I just want you to know. Is not sufficient. So, uh, for all the listeners out there with Minn Kota's on the front of your boat with iPilot, I would recommend taking the lanyard off you have, getting you some paracord or 550, Gutting the paracord and then taking that paracord and making yourself your own lanyard. Um, it will save you a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. And now they're getting expensive, dude. 300, 400 bucks. And then you don't have to come back to the dock. Yes. The crowded dock, mind you. Tie your lanyard. You don't have to come back to the dock naked. Yeah. And just a pair of grunting bibs. Yep. Sims makes a good one. Sims has a, I don't know if they're, if I can say that on here, but uh, you can bleep it out if not. No, you're good. They have a, they have a, uh, a lanyard. Um, that is called the guide lanyard and it's like an adjustable lanyard that is made out of paracord. That's what I'm running now. 
and I tied a paracord loop through my trolling motor remote and my power pole remote and put it on that lanyard. So and no more going in the drink. But then you look fishy at the dock too. Let's That's be true. Honest. Let's be honest. That is true. If you have your own personal lanyard, you do look fishy. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to hog the mic, but I had to I had to throw that out there. No, yeah, that definitely that that happened. Um come back in the bibs, blasting some Warren G. Because listen, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my my thought process. It was a crap day. I got humbled. Actually, to be totally honest, during that event, I was like, I was on them and I'm marking them and I like couldn't couldn't catch them. So I'm like, all right, what's not happening? Go somewhere else. Somebody would show up. Sorry. <laughs> ten minutes after Captain I Drew left, Webster. Ten minutes after I left, I would and obviously we're like we're all communicating, we're talking and this and that. I'm like, he's like, man, I just caught one here. I'm like, what the heck? I was just there. So call him up. Like, <laughs> we're throwing the same thing. Like, it's just a humbling year in general. Um, so a humbling day. The one of those days, like I was like, what the heck? And uh, I come under the bridge, right, around the bend the, to our cabin that we're staying at. My clients are, you know, had a rough day. We didn't catch any trophies, caught some fish, but nothing crazy. And um, I'm, I'm naked except for a pair of grunding bibs. I'm like, That's, this is the beauty of D.O. It's like, we're going to make the most of it. You know what? We're going to have a light. You know, we were jamming to that all day. I was like, all right, guys, we're going we're gonna to come in. We're going to jam to this Warren G we're going to dance the best we can. And then we're going to pull the best spot of the dock. And we took the, you know, the premier parking and we're like, guess what guys, we had a better day than you. We had a blast, you know, like that was our plan. That was the conversation we had. Like it was about the experience and stuff. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, that's Dio. That, that is how we met. It was just funny. Is like, I feel like some, there's a little spider web here of actually how we met. And then it all conjoined, like, oh, yeah, you're from da-da-da-da-da. Um, we're the only Anzo County boys there, ain't we? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The other guys we have help out um, are kind of from a little bit of everywhere. Some guys are from Pamlico County, and then the other guys are from down in Wilmington. Which, yeah. shout out really quick to Glenn. Yeah, um, First Class Glass. First Class Glass and Boatworks in Wilmington, North Carolina. Glenn helps out every year with the uh, – with uh, the D- Disabled Outdoorsman event, so we thank you, Glenn. Um, and uh, if you guys need some glass work done on your boat, Glenn's your guy. Yeah. Or you want to bring him along to look at a boat? <laughs> that guy knows boats. That so. guy knows boats. We should definitely have Glenn on. We, we, we should have Glenn on, yeah. yeah for sure. We're not going to talk about my last too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah, so we got Dio. Um, looking forward to next year. Yeah. Really like the four-day thing. Yeah. So we made the, when we first started the event, uh, it was like a day and a half event, really, like a two-day event. So um, one full day of fishing, and then the second day was <clears throat> essentially a full day, like three-quarter day, and then we had the kind of the ending dinner that day, and then kind of say la vie. So after doing that for two years straight, <clears throat> after – the year before last, this past year's, we kind of were all standing out there talking. And we're like, hey, what, uh, what about like a three-day or four-day event? Yeah. So that, uh, one, these guys don't get so worn out from like feeling like they have to soak up every single second of every minute of the morning and afternoon. But also <laughs> uh, to give them a chance to fellowship more too. 
So now we're doing the four-day event, which I think is awesome. Yeah, but do we fish half days? Okay, so everyone's Absolutely looking at me. Absolutely freaking not. Everyone's looking at me. I, I will say this. Depending on your angler with uh, the DOUSA event, you know, some anglers are, can handle more than others. Um, if you can stay out all day and they're down to, to stay out there all day, obviously all you guys know we will stay out there all day. Um, if they're not able, then we'll come back and we'll take a break and then we'll go right back out there. Dustin's looking at me hard because he knows I'm in the past. I've had Kane out there and he's Kane is relentless. He is relentless. Kane, if you're listening to this podcast, you're the man. Yeah, he is. So yeah, every year or the last two years I've done, it basically turns out like all my family vacations are now, you know? (laughs) Like, oh, hey, we're going to go to the Keys for four days and, you know, go do some touristy stuff, maybe some lobster, do some fishing, and then we fish for four days straight, sun, <laughs> sun up to sundown with no breaks, and yeah. then uh, it, it wasn't a vacation at all. Um, but, yeah, I think this year, this was the first year we went night fishing. I think the guides went night fishing last year, but this year, yeah. I think the whole fleet I was about to say the same thing. Until about midnight. Yeah, that, so we, we'd fish full days with our guys. And these guys are just tough, dude. Like they'd be like, "Yeah, we'll we'll night fish. You want to go night fish? Okay." And then we'd go night fish, and then we'd all, you know, of course, the guide cabin chef Dustin, which we'll touch on in a minute, would whip up whatever at two a.m. You know, one a.m., two a.m. We'd eat, and then we'd sleep for three hours. You know, it's great. It's it's a good time. Dude, it was four o'clock breakfast. Oh yeah, four it was o'clock four o'clock breakfast. breakfast. We would meet our our I don't want to say our guest at four a.m. and we were clearing. We, we, what did we end up calling it? Guide dinner or whatever. We we had a name for it. I can't remember. Oh yeah, like the second dinner. It was like second dinner. Second dinner. We, we had like an early dinner, but then we would go down and re-rig everything. Right. For the next day. Night fish, re-rig. Night fish, re-rig, all that stuff. So by the time we got done re-rigging, it was like nine, and everybody's hungry again. So Dustin this year brought the dang flat top and the black. He brought the blackstone and his smoker. So he's down there like making up, you know, cooking up some good stuff. So we're eating second dinner in the evening. But yeah, overall. Great event. Yeah. It was fun. And I Great can't event. wait to do it with you guys next year. I had a different approach to things. So um, I could hear them outside while I was this trying is, to sleep. This is Cab Madison Grantham, by the way, speaking. And so I like waking up early. And I've got to get sufficient sleep before doing that. And um, they were kind of preventing me from doing that. But... I still got a lot more sleep than they did, and I would, I would be on my second cup of coffee, and they would come in, messy hair, bloodshot eyes, into breakfast, and um, I have the advantage now, and so I'm like, hey guys, how's it going? But you know, these are these are some some tough dudes. I don't know what you're talking about. We're bright eyed and bushy tailed. Yeah, there's every, every morning. There, there's something going on with your eyes, but <laughs> but no, it's still. Um, I don't know. Maybe I've just uh, gotten older or something. But um, I, I like my sleep now, and it worked out. My anglers this year were um, both, uh, you know, very seasoned anglers, and uh, so yeah, they were always the first ones in chow in the morning, too. And uh, we did the night thing once. And then we're like, all right, let's go to sleep once we're out there for a few hours. But, no, it it was definitely a cool event. 
Yeah, so what he says is like something was going on with our eyes. Just to touch on that. Okay, maybe we were not bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. We may have been red-eyed, but we were still bushy-tailed. Still bushy-tailed. Any day you get to go out there and fish all day, and you can put your cares and worries behind you and just take someone fishing or go fishing, it's amazing. Yeah, I agreed. Um, That's why we all envy you, Captain Ozzy, because you're living the dream. I can't wait till y'all go full-time. We're I'm excited. actually worried about it. We're excited. No, we're going to help each other out. It'll be fun. <laughs> oh, you got two at the table you don't have to worry about. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll be we'll be out the inlet. Yeah, yeah, y'all will. Y'all will. Um, but uh, tra- transferring or segueing from DO, um, let's talk about we're getting into deep winter. What I, what I call in my fishing logs deep winter, and that would be January, February, and maybe the beginning of March. Um, before we go any further and I give my two cents, uh, what are you looking forward to? What are you thinking? Where's your head at? And what do you like to do? Some trips, sticks, and tactics about, uh, you know, deep winter. Well, um, I'm actually looking forward to it getting really cold. It hasn't gotten that cold yet. We haven't seen those those 29s, those, those teen days, and we haven't seen that water temperature drop yet. So look offshore, I'm looking for those water temps to come out of those 50 degrees and head down to, to those lower 50s. Um, push a lot of those bigger sea bass, those bigger vermilion snapper, um, a lot of those those grouper besides the gags that we cannot keep right now. I know Dustin and I are hurting because of that. Um, looking for those water temps to drop, water to clear up, to see some stable weather eventually, and then look forward to not seeing any rain and some decent winds um, that we're used to seeing this time of year. Because uh, once it gets to March – then we start getting those blow days again and then getting that transition period. But those those first three months of the year, I'm looking forward to the water cooling down, getting stable, stop seeing so many fronts, which this year we've seen so many come from the south, which has screwed everything up, um, whether it's high pressure, a lot of rain. It's the summertime. Yeah, I mean, all your fronts in the summer. That's that's a summer yeah. a summer push, and I don't I don't understand why it's it's actually – it's coming in that way, um, or figuring out the tactic to to best handle those. I know covering a lot of ground has been been good for me, um, hitting points, hitting bays, um, inshore wise, and then beating up the ledges as far as uh, the near shore, offshore. We had the Kings stick around for a little longer this year, which was good. They've moved on. Um, I believe some of the big faults albacore still around. And then a lot of quality bottom fishing to be done this time of year. Um, of course, the big schools of reds off the beach. If you can run the beach and you find the right day to, to do it, that's, this is a great time of year, that January, February. Um, it's, it's something amazing to see, but you can be looking at a 1,000 fish, and they, they won't eat anything. Um, so all those good, those good sounds, oh, let me add to it. Uh, <laughs> It's 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 a great time of year. It's it's something to look forward to, and um, I'm kind of mixed because I'm pulled two different directions, near shore and inshore. Um, but yeah, look, looking forward to these next three months. I can imagine that tear. You know, like oh, what do I want to do? You know, do I want to bust out or do I want to stay inshore? Like that that's tough. Yeah, it's with you guys for sure. Since since Drew's off, you know one of the offshore guys here at the table, I, I think it's only fitting that well, we let Dusty. 
uh, follow him up with what he's looking for this time of year? Yeah, so pretty much mirroring the same thing. Uh, we've had a uh, last time, last trip we ran, but did pretty well in the Kingfish. Uh, I was pretty pretty surprised to get him this late in the year and the the volume that we got him. Um, but yeah, the black sea bite, the sea bass bite has been uh, pretty great, and especially for the you know I gear my my stuff more towards families and young kids, and they that constant action of the sea bass, they they love it. Uh, grouper bite has been, you know. I don't want to say this because North Carolina is a pretty good secret, but the grouper bite <laughs> has been on fire. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, the next three months, I'm, I'm definitely slowing down um, and really focused on boat maintenance for the year, getting all my all my stuff done, all the little things that I said I was going to fix the last six months uh, done, you know, new switches, cleaning up electrical contacts and all that stuff that's going to deadline me in the summertime. Um but yeah, and uh, you know, this year I tried to do the healthy split of uh, inshore offshore, but um, I mean, I'm I'm just not a good trout fisherman. I've kind of I've kind of learned that about myself. You know, I I tell myself I'm gonna go target trout today. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna get after it and I'll catch one, and then I end up putting five reds in the boat. Um, just abs- absolutely just not good. Dang, at it. that must be tough. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it's the worst. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, I said, just as what Hunter said, like I'm in the split. Um, you know, I grew up doing the offshore thing and it's really hard not to just fully commit to the, uh, to the offshore world because we do live in such a pristine inshore, uh, fishery here. So yeah, it's a, it's a daily conversation I have with the, the misses and everything else about what way I want to go, but it's, uh, it's always leaning towards the offshore, i.e. A it's called a two bird boat trip. town. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta have two boats. You gotta have two. Really, you gotta have three, if we're yeah. being honest. Because possibly five. Possibly Six. five. It, the more boats, the better. If you like to duck hunt, it's seven. My wife, <laughs> Bailey, told me, she's like, dude, if you buy another boat, we one, we have nowhere to put it. Two, I will kill you. No, she didn't say that. I'm just kidding. But uh, um, deep winter, what I'm looking for. Uh, okay. So normally deep winter, I am your, I'm like full, like trout mode right now. Like, and me and Addison have fished a lot together. We fish a lot of trout tournaments together over the years. Um, and that's usually what we're doing this time of year is trout, 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 trout. Um, I'll be honest, this year's a little different. Um, <clears throat> I haven't been bumping shoulders in the creeks maybe once or twice. Uh, I took my father-in-law to, to go catch some trout and uh, took the kids out one day. Had a had a kids trip. Um, other than that, dude, I've been out in the marsh um, chasing redfish. I feel like that's the biggest change for me this year. Um, J- Dustin just said it. We have a great inshore fishery here. We do. If we could get rid of the nets, it would be way better. Yeah, but uh, and I think we're that conservation is a is something that we're going to hit on a little later in the podcast. But. Uh, if we could get rid of the nets, it would be way better. It's it's something to say that North Carolina is the last state that still allows it to happen, but it is what it is. Um, but this year has been primarily redfish, getting out on the flats, on the uh, on the new salt marsh, and pulling around, sneaking up on schools of fish, and and catching one or two with a fly, and uh, going on to the next school. You know, not just sitting there and pounding, pounding on them. We'll catch one or two. I'll be like, hey, let's let's pick up and, and go run the next spot, you know. Um, one, it lets the fish rest. Two, uh, you cover more ground. You get to see other things, right? 
Uh, and I, th- I think uh, conservation-minded, that's that's a good way to be, especially inshore, right? Definitely, yeah. So, yeah, this year has been a lot more on the redfish thing, deep winter. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Mr. Addison? Um, on the topic of conservation, is that I, I kind of zoned out there. No. But – what are you looking forward to, deep winter? Oh, that's right. Deep we're dingaling. We're we're still on that question. God, um, deep. Addison's sleeping over here. He took a nap. It happens. I I told you. I I think you're all uh, red eyed and, and bushy tailed now. <laughs> all right, give me the mic back, Ozzy. <laughs> I think you're a hypocrite all of a sudden. <laughs> I did get up early today. Um, <clears throat> so, I uh, not. You know, not not really uh, much different than what I'm, I've been doing here recently. I'm hoping that some of this rain that we've had will finally clear out because uh, it's been um, it's been tough on the trout. A lot of the creeks I've been fishing, um, those big trout spots here recently, haven't really been holding them. If it have they, uh, it's just been hard to get a bite. And um, I went out today and uh, fished a lot of spots that uh, normally hold big trout this time of the year. And um, I've been kind of scared of that salmonella thing, <laughs> salmonella. So salmonella. Uh, I didn't taste the water, but I passed a guy on a kayak. He's like, yeah, I taste that water. It's fresh as heck. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thanks. So uh, I moved down the creek. <laughs> Move way way down the creek, and um, I, I caught a nice about five pound trout earlier today, like um, nice. like way down down the creek. So, um, yeah, I, I showed the picture because you know, it had the background and everything. In it. But nice. Um, if we were the Joe Rogan podcast, I'd be like, "Hey, pull that up, pull that up right pull quick, that up, pull pull that picture up really quick." And we'd all be looking at it right now. Mm, he's it holding w- that fish out a little far. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big fish. It was Hold a on, giant no, fish. No, he's pulling. The oh, he's up. pulling it up. Hold on. It sucks for the viewers because they're not going to see it. Should that be the thumbnail instead? No, Maybe. No. 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 You already committed to your picture. So <laughs> Look at that fish. It. Oh, dude, that is a big fish. Use, use Woody, your dog, as a size reference. Yeah. Let's see it. Let's see it. Oh, nice one, dude. dude Pretty I, fish. I know that piece of grass right there. I know exactly where you're at. <laughs> All right. You're done. We've already snaked your trout hole. It's gone. Uh, also. Yeah, if we can get some days where it's not blowing, you know, 15, 20 miles an hour, I'd like to put the tower up. I finally got some boat buckles mounted on that thing, so it's a whole lot easier to just uh, put it on and buckle it down and go hit the road with it. And uh, But, yeah, I hadn't been up on the tower in quite a while, actually, just because it's been blowing so much. So um, I, I think... Actually, yeah, New Year's last year, I went out with my dad. I, I put up uh, a video, like a TikTok video of it, but we had a really stellar uh, tower day that day, and um, just you could see the schools of redfish from, you know, way far away. So hopefully get some of that in here soon, get my dad down here. He's uh, he's kind of been on the, the trout bug real bad here, so I need to get him back in the redfish and don't let Addison fool you. His TikTok game and instant uh, social media game is strong. He's probably the best one on the table yes. at at social media. Um, I'm I am envious 
of of his skills as far as the the social media wise because I'm I'm just terrible at it. Ask and I fish together, <laughs> and he's like, "Man, you focused on the wrong thing. You didn't focus on the fish." And he's yelling at me because I take a terrible picture. Uh, well, also you don't have an iPhone, so you you didn't quite understand the <laughs> which I the take portrait way better mode. pictures. Can we all agree that Drew's not a great fish picture taker? No, because I take way better pictures. No, than, because you rock a droid thing. and then you're focused on my left ear and not the trout. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> we just extinguished Drew's torch. <laughs> He's off the island. Look, dude, kidding. great God. Great, but take your own pictures. Yes. Because he's going to take a picture of your left ear. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just, not, he's nah, not, not, bad, not what he's guiding. Not what he's guiding. I'm picking on him, but you need to ditch the droid. Yes, I, I do. Sarah's finally switched to, to iPhone, so she's it's a matter that, of time, that dude. direction. Um, yeah, it's, it, but it plays a lot into, uh, you know, your, your reach as a guide. That's the social media. Um, and I believe it was Eastern Currents. One of them is social media ruining fishing. The last episode. The last episode, and I listened to that. It was a good episode. Um, but I'm kind of mixed feelings about whether it's 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 ruining or, or helping fishing. Um, I'm pretty bad at it, so I don't really take a whole lot of pictures on my trips. But if somebody's going through the trouble of, of looking at, at God's pictures, I mean, yeah. you know, you got you to gotta work those pictures and, and try to put yourself out there as a guide. So whatever a guide is doing, taking pictures – that's that's their prerogative to do that. I think that's a great segue to get into that one topic we want to talk about, about conservation, because... You didn't even ask me what I was looking forward to in the deep winter. Oh, I'm sorry. What is Ozzy looking what forward is, to? Captain Ozzy, what are you looking forward to in the deep winter? Valentine's Day. Conservation. <laughs> <laughs> hit, us, hit us with it. Hit us with I'm it. looking forward to conservation. Yeah. Addison said it best. Yes, nah, dude. I'm I'm gonna continue to be torn between big trout and schools of redfish, and I have no idea. I'm gonna keep bumping and grinding. That's all you can. I just do. I don't know. Um, I might be a king guide next month. You never know. Hey, and you then the, the next two. month, I'm gonna be a marlin guide. I don't know, Brother, dude, Like you've already got the senators <laughs> rigged up. I've I've got two pin senators, dude. Watch out. You've already got the pin senators ready for the big rock. Uh I have no idea. Uh I don't know what's for dinner. And it's currently six o'clock. So to tell you what I'm looking forward to next month would be a really big feat. Gotcha. Yeah. Um I take it one hour at a time. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. So anyways, big trout, schools of redfish, little trout, no schools. I don't know. <laughs> If, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna take it as it comes and and do the best I can every day. The Lord taketh, <laughs> the Lord giveth, and He taketh away. Yeah, that's exactly. You just right. never know, brother. I couldn't say it better. Uh, but yeah, conservation. You just mentioned that's a really good, good point. Um, Drew alluded to yeah, the fact he did. He did that and the it, last podcast was like on social media and whether social media is ruining fishing, right? And I think that's a good segue because a lot of the dudes um, around this area, especially, they hear, they look at these podcasts, they look at guys doing stuff, and they're like, hey, if you're name-dropping spots and stuff like that, I get it. Like, dudes are pissed, okay? At the same time, these same guys who are who are wardening off these guys who are trying to get their guy business out there are killing every single fish 
that's that right. they catch on their charters. That's exactly right. And a lot of these younger guides, i.e., most of the dudes sitting around this table, um, advocate for for conservation. Yeah. And and we we ask our our clients say, look, man, if you want to keep a redfish, that's great. If you want to eat him, that's fine. But we're not going to sit here and catch every fish in the school, you know, stuff like that. Like, I th- I think uh, a lot of the younger guides are are kind of. Um, I don't know. They're more conservation minded. I'm not saying that the older dudes aren't either. I'm just saying everyone's trying to point a finger. I don't point one, but uh, right. yeah, I don't well, think the, social media is the downfall of fishing. I don't think the social media is downfall of fishing either. I think you can utilize social media to grow your following for whatever that might be, your guide business, your, your whatever. I mean, you know, people are getting paid on YouTube and, and people are getting deals based on their Instagram follow, whatever, dude. Like, do what you got to do. Be smart, obviously, just like the last episode of Eastern Current. Be smart. Don't, but just because you don't think it's going to ruin your thing, it may ruin someone else's thing. So be smart on social media. Yes. Obviously. Agreed. But do I think the demise of fishing is coming from social media? No. The demise of fishing is going to come from killing fish a lot of fish and you know too many people with the wrong mindset when i say wrong mindset i mean that you are not a validated fisherman unless you post limits and limits and limits of fish and i'm really speaking to the inshore guys I mean, offshore is the same world. Like, I mean, personally, when I take, uh, like, sea bass trips out this time of year, like, I'm running both live wells, keeping all those sea bass alive. And if they want to limit out, like, I'm going to – we're going to keep the small ones alive and then, you know, process them out as as we go. Um, And we're going to release as many healthy sea bass as we can. Um, Same with the inshore world. You know, if I'm I'm running a, a trout trip or redfish trip, you know, one fish, two fish, you know, and I try to preach same thing as Hunter, you know, what are we going to keep that night? Or, you know, what are you going to eat that night? And, and that's it. Um, you know, a lot of these fish don't feed or don't freeze very well. They don't. So, you know, Which putting is, 50 that's pounds an, of trout in the freezer. That's uh, an underestimated, you know. like an under touched on. Yeah. Like people I, think that because they're coming on an inshore charter that hey, this is grouper. This is blah, 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 halibut. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, hey, dude, this is a speckled trout. It yeah. doesn't freeze well, well. Even then, I mean, that'd be like putting king chunks in the freezer, you know. Right, yeah. To, to you know, grill up, you know, three months from now. Like, it just, it's not going to work. Um, you know, so keeping what you're going to eat that night, having a good time, taking sure. the photos to, to get the memories, but then, you know, letting that fishery right. sustain itself. Right. I totally agree. Um, and it's tough. It's, dude, it's tough as gods. Because um, we, we want we want to compete, right? If you see someone who is seemingly busy, and the only reason you think they're busy is because they're Instagram, Facebook, and whatever, but, but they, they only post kill pictures. You're like, well, God dog it. I need to post kill pics. You know, I need to post four clients with a limited trout. You know, I need to clo- post two clients and they all have their redfish and, and my redfish and some black drum. You know what I mean? Then that's that's where it gets difficult is, is trying to compete. Um, and I'm not dog and I off of that what you just said. I'm not dogging guys who keep their limit. Okay, your limit is your limit. Okay. 
and it's legal, right? But these same guys who are keeping their limits every time they run a trip and stuff like that are the guys who are pointing fingers at new guides and saying, you are the reason why, you know what I mean? And it's like, okay, well, yeah, there's new guides out. There are. Someone has to replace you at some point, okay? And it, it's a it's a free market, you know what I mean? Um, and I think that, uh, like what we were talking about, <clears throat> guys are more conservation-minded than ever, these younger dudes, I feel like. And they want to see the fishery go as long, you know, I want to see my kids' kids, well, that would be, yeah, that would be, my, I want to see my grandkids be able to enjoy the same fishery we enjoy, and hopefully better. Right, finally, conservation is cool. You know what I mean? Like, finally, you know, re- the release video is cool again. You know, that that is viral once again. Yeah. You know, we, we can celebrate that. Um, but what's a shame is is feeling like if you want to compete, and this is really localized, I feel like in this, yeah, it's, it's not in, in the big, you zoom out, right? Zoom way out. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't think Dustin had a mic close to him. He, to him, he said, in the inshore world, it is localized. And I would agree with him. In the inshore world, it is localized. But even if you zoom out in the inshore world, it's not. Zoom way out. And, and killing fish is taboo in other places. And in the inshore world. Um, but you zoom in to each and every, you know, what you, you pick the fishery. I've been to Louisiana, dude. They kill the crap out of them. Charleston, uh, Savannah, Georgia, um, Stewart, Florida. I'm sure you know Mr. Dustin. Um, like, yeah, you zoom in, and it's it's normal, right? If you want to compete as a local guide, you post the kill pick. You post people, you know, eight trout deep or whatever. And and somehow we have to, and I think we're doing the right thing with with conservation being nor, you know cool and normalized. We're going in the right direction, but I, I mean I'm beating a dead horse at this point. But I definitely think that we're, we're heading in the right direction. We're just not there yet. But I don't think anybody should feel the need to compete because you kill fish. That that's not that's not the the way you need to be. Agreed. And one of the things you just said, you said, look at Louisiana. You said, look at Charleston. You said, look at these fisheries, right, comparing it to ours. Yes, there are charter captains down there that are killing fish. It is what it is. They have a limit. They have guys who pay them to go fishing, and that is what they're going to do. What is one thing that's uncommon from North Carolina that Charleston and Louisiana and all these other states don't allow? That's nets inside the demarcation line. North Carolina is the last state to still allow gill netting inside the demarcation line. Um, and they're everywhere. And uh, I've had uh, some, some run-ins with, uh, with some guys running some nets uh, quite, quite often out on the flats and the marsh and the creeks and stuff like that. And when you can pull a net from one side of the creek to the other or you go in a marsh and you watch a guy know where a school of redfish is and he pulls a net from one point to another point, encapsulating the bay, and then he goes in there and he runs on plane in circles, pushing those fish into the net. And you tell me that that's okay. You know what I mean? Hey, look, if you want to use a net to fish, that's fine. Go outside. This is just my point of view, right? My opinion. Go outside the demarcation line. Go out in the ocean and use that net. You can catch fish like that. Will it be more of a hassle? Yeah, probably. Will it 
cause you to use more fuel, possibly. But at the same time, we're the last state that still allows that to happen. And I think that, yes, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys coming up. But <clears throat> we are the last state that still allows that to happen. Yeah. And with 2.6 million acres of estuarian water, North Carolina is one of the or, – or should be you know, one of the potential – Big dogs when it comes to uh, destination fisheries. We have more estuarian water than most other destination fisheries. Like, Have you seen the Oh Boy Alberta Redfish Cup series that they ran like in the 80s and 90s? They they the those? YouTube series? They were, it was actually they ran it on Sportsman's Channel. This was like back in eighty late 80s through the 90s. And early 2000s, too. It was the Oboy Alberta Redfish Cup or Redfish Series. Um, those guys, like, there was multiple years where that championship, guess where it was ran out of? Moorhead City. Did you guys know that? Moorhead City. That's where they ran the championship. Now, there's guys traveling from Louisiana, Texas Gulf Coast, Florida, Dang South on. Carolina, to fish here. Because, the, dude, the fishery back then was really, really good. It was One, happening. It, you know, that leads to, well, was red fishing as popular as what it was now? No, probably not. Right? Were there still nets in the water then? Yeah, there probably were. But I feel like there's more nets now than what there were then. Maybe. Well, it's a compounding problem. And it's a compounding problem, exactly. It, it's a compounding problem. You know, if it was two times this year, that it was you know, two times as bad. Next year, it's four times as bad. You know right, what I mean? Right. Because... The, those fish spawn in North Carolina, and then, then those fish get killed. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I but you about Hunter, you about to get me fired up. Won't you calm down a little bit? I'm not trying to get anybody fired up. I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, I, and this is not me. Like on a witch hunt, it's not. And I, I get along with everybody. And I, you know, I'm just saying, like, dudes are pointing fingers right now and and upset about certain things, especially in the guy community, right? But, yeah. um, I think. If you really want to point a finger, um, man, this is tough. Because, you know, I, I think the nets are like the leading cause. You know if what we I can think, get rid man, of them. And I, I totally interrupted you, and I apologize for that, Hunter. But No, go ahead. I don't – my biggest problem ain't, ain't towards the nets. I mean, nets need to be taken out of our inshore waters, obviously. But I have a bigger problem, and I see more detriment with the illegal nets. Yes. But, brother, they're, they're already illegal. Yeah. You can't make them extra illegal. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, my problem is when they do the whole, the whole creek. You know what I mean? That's yeah. illegal. Yeah. When they're there for 24 hours, illegal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or over that or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, my problem is with DMF and the under... Um, under enforcement, I don't know if that's the way, right right way to word that or not, but my problem is with DMF. So if I had to attack anybody, no, it would not be the commercial guy. You know, I would not go hold a picket at Grant's Oyster House or at Davis right. Seafood. You no, know what I mean? Like, not, hey, no. dudes, you're working within the law, yeah. right? My problem is with the state. You, okay, you've made them illegal. That was just an appeasement, Right. That was just an appeasement for the recreational guys. Okay, guys. All right, we made it illegal. All right, well, now that it's illegal, let's enforce it. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, the, if you ever looked at how many you know, officers are in each area, 
those dudes are overworked and underpaid. You know what I mean? Let's 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 boost that because I promise if illegal nets were enforced, we would see a difference. And then later on, we can talk about getting them out of the intro waters, which that's a big fight. I believe, you know, I'm, I might be the youngest one at the table, but I believe within my career, we'll see that happen. But it takes guys like you and Drew and Addison and, and Dustin um, fired up about it. You know, but I mean, we got to do some work. It's not going to be easy between now and then. There will be some turf warfare and whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I said you ain't going get to get me fired up, and there I am. I agree fired with what, up. Absolutely. I, <laughs> we got to make illegal nets. We got to enforce those, first right. of all. Um, and then, second of all, you know, like what needs to happen next is um, let's get on fire about getting them out. You know what I mean? And, Sure, we all get mad about, well, there's more people in the water. And we, guides and fishermen in general can be anthropic about, when I say anthropic, I mean like, well, there's just too many people. But that's not the right answer. Let's not be anthropic about fishing. You know what I mean? Like, well, you used to come to this spot five years ago and it went with nobody there. Like, hey, dude, maybe you need to get creative. Yeah. and yeah. But here's the good part about what the, the five people being in your spot is now they're on fire about fishing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then now they can be passionate. And if you just be kind and, and, and sympathetic about it, you know what I mean? You can, hey, man, over there's a meeting in Moorhead City tonight. And, and if you love this fishery like I do, which I obviously do because you're in my spot, then right. let's roll up there. You I know brought, what I mean? You said something that, that resonated with me. You said, my problem is with the state, right? So let's talk about the state. In Louisiana, Louisiana exports more shrimp, look it up, Louisiana exports more shrimp than any other state in the continental United States. Does everyone agree? Does everyone know that statistic? I think they pronounce it scrimps. Scrimp, whatever they do. <laughs> if you're speaking Cajun or, 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 or Kunas, that's, that's what they call them, Kunas down there. Um, they, and great dudes, too. Great, great Americans. They, uh, they export more shrimp than any other state. But their state does not allow them to run trawlers inside of the demarcation line. Those boys are going outside. And look, Louisiana has more inshore water than any other, like, than any other state in the continent. More States. than our 2.6 million. Right. And they are still exporting more shrimp than any other state. However, look at North Carolina and where are all those shrimp trawlers dragging, dragging their trawl? Inside of the sounds. Yep. I won't name drop sounds, but hey, look. They're dragging them inside of the sounds. There's a guy. His name's uh, his name's Captain Dave Stewart. He lives in Minnesota Beach. Shout out to him. Uh, a guy who is who has really um, <clears throat> mentored me coming up fishing in that area. Right. He talks about he's fished up there since the '60s, and he's taught. He's we've sat down. I've had a couple beers with him, and we've just talked about how the fishing used to be up there versus what it is now. And he talks about how many more boats there are, how many trawlers there are, and how they're dragging these flats, these shallow flats in these big bays with trawlers. And they're killing fish, dude. I mean, for and I don't know this statistic right off the top of my head, but for every pound of, for ever so many pounds, it's like a 1 to 5 ratio or 1 to 10 ratio. For every pound of shrimp you catch, you got 10 pounds of bycatch. And... When you're doing that inside of a sound that is an estuary, that is a um, essentially where fish go, they spawn, they lay eggs, and you're dragging the bottom, you're catching all these, these juvenile fish. It's a it's an issue, man. Look, North Carolina is a 
fishermen have, you know, they got to make money. Shrimpers got to make money. I'm not attacking them, right? But, hey, I know they can go out of outside of the demarcation line and they can drag their trawls and they can catch shrimp. They can do it. Louisiana does it. The whole argument of, like, I know it's immoral, but this is how I've made my living for 30 years. Hey, buddy, that's an old argument. You know what I mean? Yeah. When it yeah. comes to morality, like, that's not good for the fishery. Yeah. That's not good morals. Yeah. That's old. You know what I mean? Right. Like, let's look way back in history. Like, this is how I make my living. Well, hey, that's, that's just not right. You know what I mean? Like, you got to stop doing that. And I'm not going to get into that rabbit hole. And it's not even that you have to stop doing it. You don't have to stop doing it. You just got to do it differently. You got to do it differently. Just run, spend a little bit more. I know you don't want to run outside of the inlet, but hey, look, run outside of the inlet and go net, go trawl for shrimp out there. That's right. Don't drag your net. It's completely changed the structure and the way the sound has, has developed and and the way it was and the way it is now. And it's, this, this water that is a nursery for all these fish is, is, you know, all these juvenile, this bycatch is caught every year doing it. I'm sorry, we're uh, me and Ozzy are getting on a tangent, beating a dead horse, but I would say offshore, I'd love to see a, a shrimp boat catch so many, yeah, you ain't so lying. many fish right <laughs> behind a shrimp boat. So please, uh, yes, push the uh, shrimp boats off the beach. Yeah, you ain't lying. You ain't gonna find a better bite no, than behind no. the boat so that just pulled his nest. Just a, just a pro tip: if you see a shrimp boat, you probably should be fishing. Yeah, if you don't to. mind seagulls. Yeah. Well, you un- you unhook a seagull or a pelican once, you, yeah. you'll be fine the rest of the time. Yeah. Um, hey, as long as you got your rain jacket on, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, as far as the conservation, you know, I, I used to get really upset about seeing nets. Um, obviously, yes, it's it's a problem. Um, but uh, as a guide, I try to affect the things that I can control. So you have those those clients on the boat. You can educate them on what keeping a 17-inch trout and what keeping a 20-inch trout does to the fishery um regardless of the net if the net's going to get that fish whether you relocate that fish to a different spot that you know a net's not going to get to or you you talk to them about the the reproduction of a a 20 inch trout and the difference between a i guess it's a 19 and a 20 inch trout is a huge difference i think it's what is a quarter million eggs is is what i've read um educate your clients is what i is the thing i can control um of what i have on the boat i I get upset when i see nets um but it's it's the law you can they're they're doing it if they're doing it legally that is the law that's how they make their living that's a hard way to live um but it's 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 keeping those things inside the boat that i can't control and that's educating the clients on uh on on what the difference between those two trout are or that redfish no you don't need that 27 inch redfish a 24 will feed Three people, you well know. Said. Well said. Um, mm. You don't need to keep four trout. Depending on how many people you have with you on vacation, if you have two people, two trout. That's perfect for you guys. But you are the client. You want to keep that 20-inch trout, I'm not going to stop. You want to keep that 25 and get that citation, um, that's fine. We'll talk about the live release citations, um, which Yop had come up with the QR code where you can go on uh, – register that fish and they get the live release citation so really enjoyed that this year put a lot of fish uh through that program um but i mean we see the nets offshore the spanish nets those will those will wreck a fishing day as far as spanish fishing um and then sea bass spots those are those are a big problem that can be uh that, that should be dealt with as far as offshore um Grouper season being closed, we caught a lot of grouper this year, but had to send them back 
um, American Reds. Golly, yeah. man, you get wrapped <laughs> up in those. I mean, Dustin's got got tons of photos. Yeah, out there. I can catch Red Snapper pictures. all year long, red but snapper all year that two-day season, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's blowing 40 and it's 6 to 10s. Yeah, every year, every year. So, nah. yeah, I, it, 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 sorry to cut you off, Dustin, but it's uh, – it's, I mean, we feel it out offshore as well Yeah. as far as the commercial fishery. Yeah, yeah I've been sitting, you know, 30-plus miles offshore and had a net pulled around me. Um, you know, and I ended up somehow in the middle of this guy's, you know, fiasco, and I had to get out of it. Navy was out there cutting gator squares too. I mean, it was just, you know, absolute <laughs> chaos out here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I kind of touched on it earlier uh, as far as the conservation goes. You know, I'm fairly new to the North Carolina world. I've only been here for 10 years, so it's um, – you know, growing up somewhere where uh, water quality affects our fishery pretty greatly. Um, you know, the the netting is not not the problem um, down there. It's more of the uh, the lake and the the urban buildup uh, around Lake Okeechobee has really really done a number on it. But um, coming up here and seeing a different problem, but the same effect um, of a singular problem is uh you know it's same same but different. Um, you know, is there is there a way to stop it? Probably not. You know, if you were to tie the whole problem into one one box, like there's there's really you know no way to uh, to get that done. And it's just you got to make do with what we got, and it can get better. Um, but it's going to take those individuals doing it to get better. Um, there's no there's no way to you know have a singular point of failure when it comes to a, a big problem like that. Um, but, you know, same thing you said about the clients. It's really just educating them on, you know, hey, we don't need to kill everything that comes in the boat. Take a quick photo and it goes right back. You know, and I mean, look at the tarpon fishery down south. You know, anything over 40 inches, it doesn't come out of the water down there. You know, if it is, there's, you know, potential issues with that. But, yeah. you know, the quick pick, healthy release, um, you know, and that even comes down to fishing uh, the appropriate gear. Um, for those fish, you know, if you're fishing for, you know, studs with TLB, TLD 15s and fi- fighting that fish for, you know, two hours, three hours. And now that billfish is, you know, not to jump to a different extreme here, but that billfish is down and brown, you know, now it, it, it's going to feed the sharks, you know, so fighting a sail on a, you know, on a 30 or a 25 and getting them to the boat in 20 minutes, vice two hours fighting a fish, you know, that's, you know, a, another, yeah, another solution. To, yeah. Captain Addison. The fly anglers are guilty of that, dude. Like, you know, I'm all about record chasing. I get it. I understand that. But, I mean, we're guilty, you know what I mean, of, of fighting a fish too long. Luckily, we don't have that shark population that Florida or, or whoever else does. But, like, learn how to fight the fish, you know what I mean? That That's a really, really good point. They're, they're too, like, And, again, not to harp on it or be a, ho- a mic hog, but – we are guilty as a guide population and recreational population, which I guess we're lumped into the rec population. We're guilty just as much as they are. You know what I mean? Like, they could come at our treble hooks and be like, that's a problem, you know, dead discard. And when they could come at our uh, fight times and, and stuff like that, like dead discard's a thing. So I would 100% agree, like, the gear that you choose needs to be just as much conservation minded as your vote towards gill nets. Like don't be polarized in that. You know what I mean? Like let's, if you're going to be conservation minded, be conservation minded, you know, through and through. But, uh, Mr. Addison. 
Yeah, I'll admit when I first uh, got into inshore fishing and started catching limits of trout, you know, I'd put my four in the well and keep it running and just try to upgrade them, you know, cull them until I had, uh, you know, four trout over 20 inches. And I was like, oh, this is going to make a great picture. And, uh, you know, I'd go have uh, all four trout, you know, in both hands and, and just knuckling these things. And I did it over and over again. And then finally realized that I was not going to eat all that meat. And um, I, I did, I was turned on to the release over 20 campaign with the trout. And um, I do like that, uh, seeing the statistics of how much eggs a, a you know, 20 inch or, or uh, over female produces. And um, it's it's quite significant when you go from an 18 inch to a 20, 20 inch trout. So, um, you know, when I wanted to bring some trout home, I would try to keep it to about, you know, 18 inch fish uh, just for that. And I've had clients come on and uh, you know, I tell them like, Hey, I like to promote uh, catch and release, but if you guys want to keep some, then, you know, you're, uh, of course, uh, you know, y'all can keep them and I'll get somebody who'll catch, you know, 23 inch trout or something like that. I'm like, Oh, that's an awesome trout. And, you know, if you educate them on, uh, you know, just how many babies this, this fish will make. And also that it's uh, it's a rare fish, you know, it's rare to have a fish that big. You're, you're talking about a four, possibly five year old, uh, fish that's, that's migrated over and over again. It's got some superior genes and they're like, Oh wow, I, I didn't know that. And I've got the QR code for the release over 20. So, uh, you know, I can get them entered in, get their, their sticker and everything for them. And they're and most people are perfectly fine releasing those, those larger fish. And, um, but, you know, there is, I do see on, uh, on mostly Facebook, a lot of people straight up knocking people for, you know, holding pictures of big fish and they're just like, Oh, you killed that poor fish. That fish would have made so many babies and stuff. But I mean, you don't know this, this person might come down to the beach three times a year and they catch a 26 inch fish and they want to take it back to their condo or wherever they're staying and they want to cook it. Like, that's fine. You don't need to beat somebody up about that but um but you know it's it's okay to educate people but not talk down to them like that so that's that's one thing i've that's kind of been getting to me yeah humility is i love that yeah humility has definitely gone away uh especially from the keyboard warriors um you know a fish that's kind of near and dear uh to me tarpon you know, coming from South Florida, it's, you know, it's one of those fish that, you know, the juveniles are fun. And then those 180 pounders are just, you know, something that is, is like no other, um, people, you know, go hunting it. And then to see some of those fish come up on a pier or, you know, safely released from 80, 80, 90 feet in the air, uh, back to the beach, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, kind of not gets me going, but it's, it's one of those things that, you know, education and some humility would go a long way uh, with some of those fish. Well, I, I couldn't agree with Addison more. Like, of course we know. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're paid to know, right? Yeah. But that government dude just be like, I, I, we had a conversation on the first time I had Captain Drew on. Like, ain't no sense in being a butthole, dude. 
in a creek, you you know, you get passed up or in a bay or in a marsh system or you name it. Like the odds are their 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 intent is not malice and, and and evil, you know. They just don't know. So to Addison's point, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but like it's not that they're they're being like kill them all. It's no, they, they just, just don't, don't know, know yet. But if you take the right approach, you know what I mean? And same way with goes with or same thing goes for boat etiquette. Um, they they probably just don't know yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of course we know. Yeah. And, and we could all be hypocritical. Like we were all there. We all had that aluminum boat, and yeah. we were the all the annoying teenager at some point. And hey, but if we just take a minute and, and try not to be buttholes for you know, five seconds and be like, he just don't know. Yeah, I think I think Drew crushed it. Drew crushed it, and then Addison followed him up, and it it really married because Drew said one thing that I try to do. One of the things he said was, "On my boat, I try to control what I can control." And what he said was, it "Is educating my anglers that that uh, hired me to take them fishing." And then Addison just said that when he takes somebody out. He tries to tell him all he can about what that 23-inch fish has done, that it's a five-year-old fish that's already migrated for, you know, three or four years, that uh, that it's it's laying all these eggs and stuff. It sounds like he's doing the same exact thing, controlling what we can control. I think that's what we can do for now for conservation-minded. We, we, we all have our, our part to play in that. And I think uh, Drew bringing that up and then Addison following with that was, was really good. Because yeah. it sounds like they're they're doing the right thing. They are. I would I would have to agree with that. And to like, I think this is a circle back to the social media thing. Like, just as much as what happens on your eighteen to twenty four foot piece of fiberglass, that needs to be translated to social media. You know, not raking some somebody over the coals because they lifted a tarpon out of the water or they killed that fish you know what i mean there is yeah. an education opportunity there not a condemnation right. opportunity those That's are two good. very different things there um educate instead of condemn is is the way to go you know honeys and what is it honey flies and vinegar what's yeah. the saying and there's guys that yeah no and there's guys that just like addison's saying i mean there's guys that come down here from ohio midwest whatever i've had some some anglers come on the boat with me that were from uh minnesota bass anglers you know mm. They wanted to get after redfish. They want to catch some trout. So we popped some trout on top water. We popped some redfish on some gulp. And, uh, you know, they wanted to eat them. They're like, hey, we really, really, really want to eat some trout. And, uh, you know, we want to want to see what they taste like, and we want to eat a redfish. Right. And I told them, I was like, hey, you know, I, I've got a couple schools we're going to go get on. You know, we're going to catch a couple fish maybe, you know, Lord willing. And, uh, and, and we did. We put some trout in the boat. We put some redfish in the boat. And they, they kept a couple fish. But I, the whole time we were talking, I was like, hey, you know, this is what we try to do for conservation. This is, you know, these, this school of redfish we're on, um, you know, gets banged up here and there. You can tell because, you know, they flared because I turned my trolling motor on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, hey, let's keep one if you guys are good with that. And they were like, hey, yeah. So we sat there and we caught three or four, you know. They kept one fish. And it was, it was a husband-wife uh, mm -hmm. duo. And uh, and we kept two trout, and they were like, "Hey, this is all we need to eat tonight." Like, and exactly what Addison's saying. There's people that come down from the Midwest and stuff. They want to eat some fish. Right. Like, dude, do it. Yeah. 
eat some freaking fish. That's okay. They 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 don't need to be polarized. Like you know, it don't have to be opposites. You know, right? I don't keep no fish. Well, I I kill everything, and I don't like commercial guys. I don't like rec guys. I think there is a middle ground. Yeah, they stay in the middle ground. Yeah, that's that's what I want for sure. Yeah. Um, y'all got anything to add to that? What's that? Knowledge is power. That's Knowledge is power. That's right. Educate yourself. Educate yourself by listening to every other episode of Eastern Current that's ever been posted. <laughs> 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 no, I'm just kidding. Um, well, I couldn't thank you guys more for coming out and carving some time out of your night to, to come and chat with me for a little bit. Um, any more shameless plugs you need to make, now's your time. <laughs> nothing from in real time. <laughs> I got nothing from Young Co. All good, my man. From Delmar Charters. Do we want to go around the horn about uh, contact information? Might as well. Okay. All right. You can reach me, Captain Drew, at In Real Time Fishing Charters uh, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, phone number 252-333-8954. And Captain Hunter Young with Young Co. Guide Service. You can reach me at, on Instagram or Facebook at Young Co. Fishing um, or at 828-460-3999. Yeah, Captain Dustin Daly, uh, Delmar Charter Fishing, Instagram, TikTok, The Works, uh, DelmarCharterFishing.com. Or seven seven two three four one one zero seven seven. And uh, Captain Addison Grantham, uh, I got one more thing. My <laughs> my wife wanted me to give her a shout out because she is so cool and lets me fish anytime I want. So I want to <laughs> give a shout out to Chelsea Grantham. Yeah, I'm say the same thing. Yeah. I think all, yeah, all the wives. Oh, we love Chelsea. So. Oh, I thought you were going to do your wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out. Shout oh, out. shout out to Sarah Webster um, for for letting me own all this, uh, all these boats, and uh, <laughs> take up all the all the parking in the in the driveway. So. Same thing to Bailey Young. Thank you for uh, for allowing me to take up all of our parking space with boats. Yeah, Mrs. Anna, thanks for uh, letting me buy more project boats to uh, <laughs> sit in the shop. <laughs> And uh, back to Cat Madison here. Uh, <laughs> you can uh, check me out online. It's uh, unrealchartersnc.com or Instagram. It's at unreal underscore Addison. TikTok, same thing, unreal Addison. And then Facebook, unreal charters NC. Thanks, Ozzy. Well, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, Great crowd of these Looney Tunes here. Um, <laughs> obviously, Captain Ozzy, Eastern Current, Market 23. Uh, appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time.